Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Over the past weeks, we've been really looking at the Christian life. and What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And some foundational elements of the Christian life, but at the same time, some that are so critical that we forget. Sometimes the further we move away from some of our foundations, the quicker it is to become a little more stagnant or stale. Especially over time, it's easy to accumulate a lot of junk in your life. Kathy and I were looking, um, really this spring, we had been contemplating selling our house and moving into another house, and we've been looking at this particular house, and the deal didn't go through. And, but in the meantime, uh, it inspired Kathy to fix up our house and get it ready in case we sold it, uh, which included going through every single closet, uh, all the, those nooks and crannies. And we've lived in our house for over 20 years, so you can imagine the junk that has accumulated in our house over 20 years. And we are not particularly hoarders. I mean, we're not the kind who keeps stuff all the time. I mean, Kathy and I have this running discussion about which of my clothes should be thrown out, uh, which he thinks a lot of them should be uh, too. And I'm, I'm more of the category, I could possibly wear that again someday. Surely styles will change. I know leisure suits are coming back. Uh, I know Kiana shirts and the sailboats, on. they're going to make a return someday. And when they do, I'm going to have one. I know, they're not coming back, praise God. <laughs> but there are some of us who just can't get rid of things. Uh, I know that from my dad's generation, particularly that World War II generation, when they had such a lack, there was this idea that this thumbtack could come in handy someday. Someday I'm going to need it, and when I do, I'm going to have this thumbtack. Now, the thing in my house growing up was we had the thumbtack, but there is no way in heck we were ever going to find the thumbtack because it was never organized well enough. It was just thrown somewhere. But when we needed it, it took a whole day to find the thumbtack. Have you ever been there? You know, you, you know you've got one, and so you're looking for it, but you just don't know where it might have been. We, in our lives, have accumulated a lot of stuff, a lot of junk. And some of the junk that we're dealing with is really just cluttering our lives and cluttering our minds. Max Dupree says there's a great deal of junk in our lives, junk phone calls, junk advertising, junk meetings, junk will sap our energy. One of the things uh, I've been convicted over these past weeks is that, is that there is a time to get rid of the junk that is in our minds and in our lives and to clear it out so that God can do what God wants to do in and through us. You know, your mind is... Uh, one of the things we've talked about in this church over the years is that you act upon what you believe to be true. And for many of us, in our minds, we have a belief system that is faulty. And as a result of a faulty belief system, we could possibly be living, and I would contend probably are living, faulty lives. And that what we need is to replace the faulty thinking with the truth of God's Word. 
It says in the book of James, I'm going to come to 1 Peter in a second, but it says in the book of James, but each one is tempted when? When? When by his own evil desire, where does that evil desire begin? Begins in our minds and in our hearts. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. If we could cut off things at the point of our desire or the point of our mind, look at the steps that it would save us. Look at the path that going down, we wouldn't have to go down. If the junk of our lives is not properly dealt with, it has the possibility to lead us to our own destruction. Peter says this, therefore, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. There's a lot in this passage. It's a a rich little passage in 1 Peter, talking about how we are to grow up. But one of the ways we grow up is by getting rid of the things that prevent us from growing up. How do we do this? How are we going to clear out our heads and our minds and our lives so that we can achieve all that God wants us to do? Let me start by saying this. Let me just give an underlying premise, too. Um, We are a church who believes fully in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We're a church that uh, embraces um, that the Spirit of God is still moving on this earth and that we believe in all the gifts of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit. And it's an awesome thing. We can't live these lives apart from the Spirit of God. Amen? I mean, we've gone through this over and over again here in our church that uh, really to be a follower of Christ means to be filled with the Spirit, flowing with the Spirit, fellowshipping with the Spirit. But one of the tendencies I see within the charismatic church, uh, those that do flow with the Spirit, is this, um, I think it's just a heretical idea that we need to check our minds at the door. That really our minds get in the way of what the Spirit of God wants to do. And I would contend that it's not our minds, it's the junk that has filled our minds that's getting in the way of what God wants to do. And that God really wants to redeem all of us. All of us, spirit, soul, and body, including our mind, our will, and our emotions. He wants to redeem every part of us. And he wants us to become the, 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 achieve the destiny in our minds and our lives that he has created for us to achieve. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to kind of take over this area of the mind and win the battle for the mind? Well, one of the first points is recognize that we all have junk. Everybody has junk. Just look around. And all the people here, everybody here has got some junk in their lives, junk in their minds. And we don't need to live in denial. Living, living, just living means that you're going to pick up junk. We are inundated with junk. We're inundated with so many choices in our lives and and have to make so many decisions that junk just fills our minds. You know, one of the hardest places to fill is a crowded room. You know, if you've got a room that's already packed, it's hard to put more stuff in it. And for us, some of us, we've got so much junk in our minds that God couldn't do. I hate to say God couldn't do, but there's just no space in there 
for anything else to take place. And one of the reasons is we live in such a day and age where we are, there are so many choices before us all the time. Do you know if you go to the average grocery store, the average grocery store has 42,686 items. 42,686 items. It's one of the things that happens every time I go overseas. I walk into what's called a grocery store, and there are like 100 items in the grocery store. And I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about what kind of orange juice to get. There's only one kind of orange juice to get. There's not 100 different kinds that I get to choose from. Do you know that Crest toothpaste, Crest toothpaste, has 56 varieties, shapes, and flavors, including, beginning in January, chocolate. Chocolate toothpaste. Anybody tried the chocolate? I love chocolate, but I just don't see that happening. 56. I mean, you're just standing at the toothpaste aisle, and you're just, you can't even decide what toothpaste. Do I want cherry? Do I want chocolate? Do I want my teeth white? Do I want my breath to smell good? Do I want to prevent decay? Revlon has 283 different colors of lipstick. 283, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Levi Corporation, when I, was being, when I was raised, Levi sold just jeans. Now Levi has over 70,000 products that they sell. Not to mention the number of books, magazines, ways to get them. I mean, we are inundated with choices. And really, one of the things that all of these choices are causing is that our minds are filled with so much junk. The Bible has a lot to say about our minds, and I just listed them in your notes. I'm going to go through them real quick at the different kinds of minds the Bible describes. Look at all of these. There are sinful minds. In Romans, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. I'm not going to comment on each and every one of these just because it would take so long, but I just want you to see the different kinds of junk that we all have had or have in our minds. There are blinded minds. Blinded minds, 2 Corinthians, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There are dull minds, 2 Corinthians 3, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. There are deceived minds, Romans 16, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. There are troubled minds. Acts 15, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. Have you identified your particular mind yet? Hopefully, uh, we're ahead of that. Poison minds, Acts 14, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. There are depraved minds, Second Timothy, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. There are corrupted minds, Titus 1, 
To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. James says that there are double-minded minds. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. There are worldly minds. Matthew 16, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And there are worried minds. Matthew 6 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow, the Bible has a lot to say about your mind, doesn't it? Most of these descriptions of minds are those who are apart from Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But one of the things the church has got to quit doing is telling people who are not followers of Jesus Christ to have a change of mind to start thinking as if they were followers of Christ. They're unable to do so. Instead, we've got to hold up the good news of Jesus Christ, as we'll see in a moment, to to say you can be changed. One of the things that's going to happen, in case you didn't know, is that tonight... uh, I think it's tonight, the Oscars are on, the Academy Awards. Now, I'm not going to encourage you to watch the show. Um, Can if you want to. That's totally up up to you. But every time we watch shows like this, most of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are totally offended at the lifestyle of the world. I want to encourage you to start praying for the world instead of judging the world because if your mind is a worldly troubled, poisoned, deceived, sinful mind, how can you think otherwise? How can you act otherwise if that's the condition of your mind? Even us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to recognize that as we go through life, we pick up some of these same characteristics of worry and being troubled, and we need to recognize that we've all got junk, all got junk in our minds. Second point is this, and it's kind of questioning, do I, did I do the second point or the third point? You'll see it in just a moment first. But the second point is this, remove the harmful patterns of thought. Remove the harmful patterns of thought. And Peter, again, back to that passage, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Instead, like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We need to remove harmful patterns of thought in our lives. Peter makes it clear that we need to get rid of those things that are not of God. Jesus agrees when he says that we are to be clean on the inside as well as on the outside. And he likens it to a cup that is clean on the outside but dirty on the inside. We've got to get our minds cleared. Part of the reason we're having trouble getting our minds cleared is because of all the stuff we continue to put in our minds. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going down one segment of social media here. I'm not condemning everybody who's a Facebook person. Because all of us have our own stuff. But the average American, this is the average American, spends eight hours a month on Facebook. 
Now, that doesn't sound like much, eight hours a month on Facebook, but that's every single American. And there are tons of Americans who aren't on Facebook. So, but if you average it out, it's eight hours a month. Here's where it really becomes telling. The average 18 to 35-year-old who uses social media spends 3.2 hours a day on social media. The average American who's ages 18 through 35 who has social media spends 3.2 hours a day on social media. The highest demographic group for using social media and using it often and frequently and long, females under the age of 35. I would contend, I would contend that not everybody in the world needs to know which Broadway musical you are or which Disney princess you are or which 90s indie band you are, or which Leonardo... Some of you are not on Facebook and you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? But some of you had know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you took one of those BuzzFeed quizzes and you know exactly which Leonardo DiCaprio character you are. Or which biblical heroine, or which Lord of the Rings character, or which serial you are. <laughs> By the way, I'm Honey Nut Cheerios, in case you... <laughs> Wanted to know. <laughs> there is so much stuff in our minds. We've got to clear it. We've got to get it out of our minds. The Bible, by the way, uses a specific term about our minds and clearing our minds. And the term, the Greek term is the term metanoia, a change of mind. And it's the word that is translated most often in our Bible to repent. It talks about having a change of mind. To do that, to have a change of mind, a change of direction, we have to move away from where we're going and move to God. And these second and third point, they go together really closely. It's kind of a chicken and an egg thing. But we have to replace what we remove with a godly mindset. It has to be replaced with a godly mindset. The truth is, it is not enough to just repent and ask for a change of mind. It's not enough to just clear out the room. It's got to be replaced with something. And uh, the discussion over history is, okay, do I I replace first or do I remove first? Well, they've got to take place more or less at the same time. Romans 1, 16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. How do we get a godly mindset? How do we remove the junk from our lives? Listen, people, this is where it's key. The gospel is powerful. The gospel, it is the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the cross, the resurrection, that allows our minds to be transformed. With the gospel, you can be changed. 
And we need to allow God to change our minds. We need to focus on who we are in Christ instead of what we lack. Too often, our focus is on the lack of things, right? Instead of who we are in Christ. And if you're focusing on the wrong thing, it's hard to think about the right thing. For instance... If I were to say to you, just do a mental exercise, and I were to say to you, do not think about red elephants. Whatever you do, do not think about a red elephant. Don't think about those big red floppy ears, and don't think about that red trunk swaying in the breeze. And whatever you do, don't allow an A to be put on Alabama A to be put on that red elephant. Whatever you do, I want you to stop thinking about red elephants. And the more you try to stop thinking about something, what happens? The more you actually think about it. The only way not to think about something is to actually to think about something else. In other words, it's not just enough to focus on our problems and try to remove our problems. Really, our mindset has to be, our mind has to be set on something different. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Some of us are so focused on our issues and our problems that the more we hone in on that thing, the more it becomes the central aspect of our lives. I want to encourage you instead to allow your mind to be set on the things above. What do we replace those ungodly minds with? Well, replace them with the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is who we are if we're followers of Jesus Christ. We have been given the mind of Christ, a gift of the mind of Christ. We have been given godly wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I mean, just those two verses alone, if we actually believed him, would act radically transform the way we think and act. The idea that we could have the mind of Christ, and if we lack wisdom about something, we could ask God and he will give it. We also had to have minds of love. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your, all your mind. Love is not just an emotion. Love is, it transforms the way we think. And to love your neighbor as yourself. How does this happen in so many ways? Well, it's because we have a mind now controlled by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Here's my question to us really this morning is, where are our minds being controlled? Where is the execution of that mindset taking place? 
When you get in financial difficulty, when you lose your job, when you don't get that promotion, when someone else offends you, how do you process that situation? We've talked about in the past kind of an easy illustration that was given to me by Peter Lord a long time ago was, what channel are you tuning into? And there are only two channels. There's the world's channel, which is governed by the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then there's God's channel. So you're either on God's channel, channel one, or you're on channel two, the world's channel. And everything you view comes through those, one of those two channels. Worldly thinking leads to vindictiveness, bitterness, unforgiveness. It keeps score. It lays blame. It refuses to release. It dwells on it. It sees everything else in the universe as a problem to me. Godly thinking, on the other hand, tuning into channel one, setting our minds and our channels on that, releases it to God. We trust in God in all things, even though we find and feel the pain, even though we have to deal with discouragement, there's a fundamental believing hope we're going on. That's the channel we tune into that allows us to give thanks in all circumstances. If you're always tuned into channel two, the world's channel, and that's where your mind and channel is set, you will not be a grateful, thankful person. Because you'll see everything that happens around you as a problem. But if you stay tuned into channel one to God, you, you, you have a, a nature of hope and life and love that allows you to give thanks in all circumstances. The question today really is, where are you setting your mind? Where are you setting your mind? And these, I'm going to come to the third, fourth point in just a second, but through the power of the gospel we have the ability to have a different mind. We need to remove the junk that's in our minds and keep tuning in to what God has for us by the power of the Spirit. Here's one of the truths that's so important here is that even though I get to do something here, I really can't do it. Does that make any sense? I mean, I'm supposed to set my mind right, on the things of God? Well, without the power of the Spirit indwelling me and, and filling me and moving me forward, I really can't even do that. But if I release myself, my life, my being, my mind to the power of the Spirit and rely on the power of God that indwells me, now I have the ability to set my mind on what He wants. And the fourth and final point is this. Renew your mind constantly. Renew your mind constantly. Having our mind transformed is not a one-time deal. It is a constant position of the follower of Jesus Christ. Romans 12 says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is a constant action that our minds are to be renewed. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. There's a key passage that if we want to really 
by the measure of faith, the sphere of influence that God has given us, really take that for the kingdom of God, then we need to have our minds renewed on a consistent basis. We need to be transformed by the power of the Spirit who indwells us. And then in Philippians, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Is this not the kind of peace that you want? This peace that transcends all understanding? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Have your minds renewed. How is it possible that there's a person who's a follower of Jesus Christ, who is passionate for him, at some point his life gets derailed and becomes a train wreck? How is it that a person that can start so well can end so badly? Well, I would say that at some point they quit allowing their mind to be renewed. They became disconnected. They lost the transformative power of the spirit who indwells them. Not lost the spirit, but just took themselves out of the game. Our minds need to be renewed, and we need to take our thoughts captive. It is a constant battle. In 2 Corinthians 10, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How's the state of your mind today? How is the state of your mind? How do you even know? Well, what are you thinking about? What is governing the way you move and the way you interact? When you came to worship this morning, where was your thought? Did you come because you said, you know, I got to, it's Sunday, 10 o'clock, I got to go to church. It was part of what I signed up for. When I joined the club, this is part of the dues. I have got to go to church at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. So here I am. I mean, that kind of legalistic thought process about church and life and rather than the joy of the transforming power of the gospel that says, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I can't wait to get to church with the followers of Jesus Christ to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see how God is going to work in the lives of my children and the lives of my husband or my wife or the people around me. I can't wait to see what God is going to do. Because I believe that the power of the gospel is radical. Today, if you would recognize that you have all of this stuff in your mind, this junk that needs to be removed, and be replaced with a godly mindset, or your mind needs to be renewed today, I want to encourage you. I'm going to just pray for us.
I just want to spend a moment asking God to move in our midst to see us transformed. If, if we can really win the battle for the mind and these arguments and pretensions and these strongholds can be torn down, think of the freedom that would come, the life that would come, the power that would come through us to touch the world around us. Think about this, just one aspect. What if we were really free from the fear of what people think about us? What if just in this place, a couple of hundred people that are here, we got radically touched by the power of God to the place where we were free from what people thought about us? How that would transform the way we live our lives. The things we would say and the freedom that we would walk in and the joy that rather than thinking, oh, you know what, I would say to this person about how much God loves them, but I'm afraid what they're going to think about me. I can't really be me because I'm afraid of what this person's going to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join in the lies that are going on around me because if I stand up for the truth, what are these people going to think? Of? Think about how our lives would be transformed if we just got free in this one area. Not to mention tons of others of things that are crowding our, crowding our mind. Let's pray together. Lord, we recognize that we are a people of unclean minds in many ways, and we live among a people with unclean minds. We pray that you would touch us today and free us. Lord, I thank you that by faith the power of the gospel is available to all who believe, including us, and that the power of the gospel has the ability to give us the mind of Christ. It has the ability to set us free. It has the ability to, for the, our lives to be controlled by the Spirit of God who indwells us, and we can have transformed minds. Lord, I, I want to pray for every person here that we at Fullness would be a people who walk the Spirit-filled life in such a way that our minds would be altered for the kingdom of God. That, Lord, when, when I'm faced with a circumstance or situation, that my first thought won't be, how does this affect me? But rather, I'll stay tuned to you, Lord, and you'll show me how to interpret this circumstance and this situation in a way that brings life to the people around me. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know the transforming power of Christ as a reality for themselves, the Spirit of God, you draw them to the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ but are not living lives controlled by the Spirit, even in the, especially in the ways we think, transform us today. May our minds be renewed. May we have a godly mindset. May everything that's not of you be driven far from us. Lord, we thank you and bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Stand up with me if you would. I'm going to speak a prayer of blessing over you. And then.